I think a really beautiful thing about anticipatory grief is we love harder and we do the hard thing. Hello, I'm Madeline Cheney, and you are listening to The Rare Life. Today, we have Katie Peterson's special topic episode all about anticipatory grief. To define that, it is when you grieve someone before they have passed away. Katie has experience with this because her daughter, Claire, who is four years old, has a terminal diagnosis. In Katie's no-nonsense, witty ways, she shares with us the evolution of her anticipatory grief as it began when Claire was a newborn and they first received her diagnosis up till now, four years later, where she's able to thrive and be very happy despite this looming grief that she carries. In this episode, she also shares tips for other people who are going through it in ways that she has been able to thrive as well as tips for us to support those that are going through it. I find this topic really important for us to become more sensitive to others and then also really important for those that are also experiencing it um, because as she shares, it is very isolating and a heavy, heavy burden to bear. So without further ado, let's get on to the episode. Hi, Katie. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back again. Yeah, of course. So we get to talk all about anticipatory grief and what that means to you. So I would love for you to start out just kind of a recap of Claire and really what anticipatory grief is. Yes. And probably why I would know about what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Your context. like what that Yes. Is. Um, so as a reminder, or if someone didn't listen to the last episode and it's just popping in now, my daughter, Claire, who is four years old, she was diagnosed with a condition called rhizomulic chondrodysplasia punctata type one, but we refer to it as RCDP because that is quite the mouthful. It is a terminal condition. It affects, um, kids mentally and physically. And that's just kind of in a little nutshell what it is. Um, And with anticipatory grief, um, what is that? So if you think if someone died, you would have grief for that person, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're, oh, um, my grandma died. I'm grieving because that person has passed away and I love them and I'm sad and I'm processing my feelings. Mm-hmm. anticipatory grief is grief that occurs before death or a great loss mm-hmm. um, versus, you know, the typical death, as I stated earlier, which is grieving after someone has passed away. So right in a nutshell, it's grieving the loss of someone before they are actually gone. Mm-hmm. And for me, it is something I have dealt with the last four years because as I stated RCDP is a terminal disease and, and that's just a fact of life. I'm not being pessimistic. I'm not, you know, giving up hope. I'm just being realistic. You know, one day Claire will pass away. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will say, uh, it's definitely can be a challenge sometimes. 
in the beginning of her diagnosis, it absolutely was an everyday occurrence because everything is so fresh and so new. And I'm not just grieving the fact that she has a disability. It's compounded because I'm grieving, you know, her disability. And then on top of that, I'm grieving the fact that, you know, one day I'm going to have to plan a funeral for her. I'm going to have to, you know, buy a grave site for her. You know, like she, Mm -hmm. she's going to die one day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're grieving that. And especially with RCDP, when lifespan is not well-defined, um, like they kind of say max 10 years, five years is quote a long-term survivor unquote Mm -hmm. they say you'll get two to three years typically Uh, I think one of the stats they told us is you know 60 percent of children make it to their first birthday oh wow and then 30 percent of those children make it to their second birthday wow and then five percent of those kids make it till they're five So on top of this diagnosis, that is like just a huge gut punch because you really don't know. Mm -hmm. And I remember like leaving the hospital and turning to the charge nurse and saying, what do we do if she dies? Which, I mean, that's, that's nothing. That's not something you should be leaving the hospital with your newborn asking. Mm -hmm. You know, like it was... And it was just like technical. I was like, who do we call? Who, you know, uh, what do we, do we call the police? Do we? Yeah. Like, what do you even do? And, and that, that's what I mean. Like, it wasn't, yeah. it was just this like, like, what, what do I do? Yeah. Like, like, what should I be prepared for? And the thing is, you know, you, she hasn't passed away yet, which is amazing. And it's a wonderful miracle. And we yeah. are so grateful for every day we get with her. And I would love Claire to be, live to be 50. I will take care of her for as long as she wants to be here. Yeah. Um, but I will admit in the beginning that grief of your child having a terminal disease was so heavy. Like in some ways I was kind of like wishing she would die, not because I didn't love her, but it just, it felt, I feel like my husband once said to me in like those first couple weeks, like, I feel like my head's in like a guillotine. Mm. Like, you know, it's coming, you know, it's coming. Yeah. And you don't want, you know, you don't want the blade to come down, but in some ways the anticipation felt so crushing that Mm -hmm. it was just like, just, just go, just, just go because it felt so consuming, you know, like a roller, like, you know, roller coasters are fun, but sometimes the climb up to the big hill feels so long that you're like, Oh my gosh. Oh, it's going to be so crazy. Like, oh, I just, oh, like, I just want the top of the hill to be here so we can go. And that was gone in like, you know, like two weeks, but just those first two weeks, it just felt so heavy. Like, I just know it's going to happen. I just know it's going to hurt. Yeah. Rip it off like a bandaid. Let's just happen now. And yeah, I hope no one listening is like, oh my gosh, you know, she doesn't love her kid. That's if you don't live it you really won't understand yeah I think that is it's something that is impossible to totally understand unless you've been through it yeah it's it's not like the funnest and I don't want anyone listening to this to be like oh my gosh her life sucks Mm 
My life does not <laughs> suck. It's really great. Mm-hmm. I love my family. I love my kids. Um, so I want to explain it this way. In the beginning, I thought about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Which with anyone I think that passes away, right? The grief, it's very strong. It's very hard. It's very constant. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's always there. Like truly everything I did was like, I just, I, and it wasn't like I consciously was thinking about it. Like, Hmm, what am I going to think about today? Mm-hmm. I want to think about that. It just, <laughs> it just happens, right? Like right. you be going to sleep thinking about, you know, all the things you have to do. And all of a sudden, bam, I'd be crying in my bed thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to plan a funeral for my kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't plan on thinking about that. It just popped into my head. Yeah. So in the beginning, it's very constant. But over time, I mean, four years later, um, it's still present in my life. But the flare-ups of grief are less. But the intensity is still as powerful. Interesting. So right in the first like couple months, I mean, I probably cried every single day for like three months. Mm-hmm. Not all day, but, you know, I definitely probably cried at least, at least part of my day I spent a couple minutes crying because I would just suddenly be so overwhelmed with right. the fact that, you know, she would one day not be in our family here on earth anymore. Mm-hmm. But as the years have gone by, I definitely, um, you know, have grief, but I mean, it's like maybe once every two months I'm all sudden out of nowhere, I will be really sad because I will think about it just, I mean, for no reason at all. Sometimes it Mm. really truly is no reason at all. I'll be doing something like running and then all of a sudden I will find my eyes getting teary because my brain remembered, Hey, one day Claire won't be here anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, brain, what, like, what the heck? Hmm. that wasn't very nice <laughs> but like the intensity will will be the same mm-hmm. right like because I I love her I love her as much as I did the day she was born I love her so yeah. my intent my you know grief is the same but the right. flare-ups will they if you're going through the flare they will lessen it will it will soften over time interesting um but there definitely are things that um I know are definitely like triggering for me anticipatory mm-hmm. grief. Um, and one of them is within our Rizo kids. So that's what we call the kids um, who have RCDP. We call them Rizo kids and we have our community. Um, when one of these Rizo kids dies, it is really hard. Mm-hmm. Like that is a huge it's a huge trigger for me and because, because it's, I mean, I mean, I'll say this. I'm every time someone I know in my community of, you know, special needs parents, that's really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of them passes away, especially because, you know, you get to know these families and it's so heartbreaking, mm-hmm. but when a child dies of the same disease your kid has, it's just a reminder how real that final outcome is. Yeah. And it's a weird thing because, I mean, you feel grateful it's not your kid and then you feel horrible because you're happy it's not your kid. Mm -hmm. But then you're grieving because, A, you love that child that passed away. I mean, we really are, these Rizo kids, we really are family. Like, Mm -hmm. 
Mm. All of them have such a big place in my heart, them and their families. But it's, it's a reminder that one day that will be you. Yeah. It's like I said, it, I'm not being pessimistic. It's, it's just a fact. It, it will yeah. happen one day for sure. Mm-hmm. So that I think is probably the biggest trigger in my life currently of anticipatory grief is when one of these kids passes away, it's really hard. Yeah. So as we're recording this, Claire is not actually four yet, right? She's in, she'll be four in two weeks. Yes. Week? She'll be four in two weeks. So is it, are her birthdays, are those triggering for you or are they yeah, positive? I, yes. Um, I would say, especially at first year's hard like holidays and birthdays are triggering. I wouldn't, I don't spend all day crying about it, but it definitely, it, it taints it. The anticipatory mm-hmm. grief taints holidays and it taints birthdays, but yeah, especially birthdays because you just, you don't, like I said, you want it to be such a happy day and it definitely is. And we're really excited. We celebrate Claire and all she is, but in the back of your mind, it's a, uh, how many more birthdays? And the older she gets, you you just wonder, you know, even more, how many birthdays? I mean, so mm-hmm. she's turning four in two weeks. And as I said, just stats say that five years is a long-term survivor. And you're just like, oh, man, like, you know, next year, if she turns five, she'll be a long-term survivor. Yeah. And that's hard, too. And, you know, so, yes, I agree. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. It definitely mm-hmm. taints uh, taints a birthday. But mm-hmm. what I think there is definitely one really beautiful thing I think about anticipatory grief is you know like you read stories and people are like I wish we had known like mm-hmm. like someone someone dies in a a car accident you know? mm-hmm. not they don't know what's happening right and they're like oh I wish we had known I. I would have taken that trip. I would have told them I love them more every day. Mm-hmm. So I think a really beautiful thing about anticipatory grief is we love harder and we do the hard things. Mm. Don't get me wrong. We have days, some days we just kind of lounge around and we watch the movies together and that's really fun too. Mm-hmm. But you know, we, we do the hard things. We go, you know, it's going to be hard to take Claire on vacation and pack up all of her medical gear and all that stuff together. And, but Mm -hmm. we're going to do the hard thing because her life is going to be so beautiful. And we're going to do those hard things and make wonderful memories. And we're going to smile more and we're going to love more. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, anticipatory grief gives you the gift of, you know, of knowing that these moments are precious and you're going to take them. Yeah, that's beautiful. Do you have advice for other people that may be dealing with, with anticipatory grief? Yeah. So, um, and I want to say to people, anticipatory grief, um, can also, I mean, it's not just for kids with terminal conditions, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. family members that are sick or, I mean, if you have, uh, you know, a family member whose health is starting to decline, you'll probably get it. Or, you know, a grandparent with dementia and watching, you know, their mental capacity fade. 
those are all things, you know, that anticipatory grief uh, encompasses mm-hmm. because you love them. You love these people. So, um, yeah. I, so I just want people to know, right. This is not just for special needs parents. I think a lot of these speak to, um, a lot of different scenarios. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, I think one of my number one tips is to acknowledge your grief. Mm. Yeah. It is normal. Don't let anyone tell you that it is not normal. It is not right. And you shouldn't be doing it. I remember someone had told me, you should not cry. You should not cry. You should not be sad because um, you can cry when she's dead. I'm oh like, God. oh, <laughs> like you can cry when she's dead. Like she needs you to be a strong mom now. And oh, I think man. part of being a strong parent is, you know, recognizing you have emotions and you're not a robot, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You can take yeah. care of them, but you don't need to be embarrassed that you feel this way. Like you don't need to apologize. You don't say, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sad that, uh, my kid, uh, is sick and I'm scared they're going to die. I'm sorry. You know, no, you do never apologize for that. Yeah. You don't ever need to apologize for loving someone so much that you're already sad about the thought about them not being on earth with you. Yeah. Cause that's what that is. That's what grief is. It's love. Like I feel like yeah. they're so intertwined because if you didn't love someone, you wouldn't grieve them. Yeah. I read something once I thought was so beautiful. I think it says grief is just love that has nowhere to go. Mm. And I was like, Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. I was like that. That's like, wow, I could not have put that better. Yeah. Um, so another tip um, is, I think this kind of goes into acknowledging it, but you, as someone who's experienced this, you have permission to talk or not talk about this. Hmm. You don't owe anyone any conversation. Hmm. I don't care if it's your mom. I don't care if it's your best friend. I don't care if it's your kid's doctor. If you don't want to talk about it to them right then, you don't need to talk about it. Hmm. But on vice versa, if you want to talk about it, you can. I know this sounds like weird advice, but um, like for me, sometimes it's very easy and I can in a very, like right now it's easy for me to talk about it today. Like I can right now, you know, talk about in a very real way. Like, yes, I acknowledge Claire will pass away and all these Mm -hmm. things, but other days I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And I, and, and I don't owe that conversation to anyone and no one should ever, you know, demand that they are privy to that conversation. Mm -hmm. So, so that's my tip is, you know, you, you don't need to talk about it to everyone, but you're also allowed to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's really good advice to have permission to do whatever yeah. you want to do with it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's your you grief. Own it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I would also think a big thing that's helped me is finding a support group. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't just mean this like, oh, you know, oh, my parents and my siblings, like they're great, but whatever. <laughs> I don't mean whatever, <laughs> but I just say, you know, find a support group and ideally 
with those who have walked in the same path that you are walking now. Yeah. Who are either right now walking that same path or have been through it Mm -hmm. because those are people that are going to understand and are going to not judge what you have to say. Um, And I found most of them pretty much on social media. Thank goodness. Like Mm -hmm. what a great way to connect. Cause I can just go knocking neighbor to neighbor, knock on the door. Hi, do you want to talk about this? (laughs) Like, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like some of my most real and freeing conversations with these people, um, you know, you can just talk about things that you can't talk about with other people and then no Mm -hmm. one's really going to understand. So I think finding a support group and I, the reason I say social media is if right now you feel alone and you know, no one gets it. And yes, do you love your, uh, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, your siblings, whoever, if they're not walking this path with you, they're not going to 100% understand. They might empathize, Mm -hmm. but, but finding that support of people who are doing that is, like life changing. Mm-hmm. So life changing. So how how did you find people like so specifically on social media? Are there like specific groups that you recommend, or how would you yes. recommend going about um, that? So first, okay, if you're like me and your kid gets diagnosed with a condition, or even any parent, if you're not on Facebook, no, I don't work for Facebook. This isn't a plug. Get a Facebook. <laughs> Because they have a lot of groups on there. So one of the Mm -hmm. first things, and Claire did this, is on Facebook, we just searched, you know, rhizomelic chondrodysplasia punctata. Mm -hmm. And from there, we saw there was this Rhizo Kids group. Mm -hmm. And we asked permission to join. And I contacted one of the parents. And I was just kind of messaging her, like, back and forth uh, when Claire was first born. Like, hey, my kid has this. I was like, I'm scared. Like, I'm scared. I don't know what to think. Like, and I'm so grateful mm. um, for that parent. Like, she's awesome and I love her. Mm. And then, um, so did that. And then because of her, right, I went to the group and then she connected me with all these other families. Right. Whose kids also have the same condition. It was really great, right? Because um, not just anticipatory grief, right? But you can share medical things and they know they know more than the doctors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're the experts. Yes. Um, so I did that. And, um, and then on Instagram, I had, um, I had actually like finally realized what hashtags are really for, <laughs> right. Cause there's like some mm-hmm. RCDP hashtags and I was able to like, right. Follow that hashtag and I can find other families and vice yeah. versa. Like that's happened to me over the years where like, when I write posts about Claire and I do some RCVP hashtags, I've had people that have been like, Hey, my kid has this oh, who are wow. not in our Rizo group that I've been able to like introduce to the group. Oh, wow. So that connection's really great. So yeah. I know sometimes social media gets a bad rap, but it's really great. Um, yeah. So, okay. So I would look up the specific condition and see if there's a group kind of like that. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're in Utah, there's a really great Utah, um, kids foundation is really wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, there is, um, when I was pregnant with Claire, I had an app called the baby center app. Oh yeah. I don't, 
yeah, I'm like, I'm sure. And there's a million groups on there. And after she was born, I found a group that was children with terminal uh, diagnosis and they were very helpful in the beginning. Um, Interesting. And they still are like, I mean, if you look, you'll find some groups. So that was really helpful Mm. for me. Um, I would just say, I mean, start looking, you'll find it. If you're looking Mm. for a group, they're out there. You do not need to feel alone. Find Mm. your support group. Find them. Yeah, because special needs parenting can be so isolating. Oh, yeah, I could not (laughs) agree more. That is something they do not tell you when your kid gets their diagnosis. Like, it's going to be really lonely. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And thank goodness for other people who get it. Yeah, thank goodness. And then you don't feel alone anymore. And you're like, wow, Mm -hmm. I'm not alone. Um, Another tip I had, create moments to enjoy. These don't have to be big. You don't have to say, oh my gosh, but we can't afford to take our kid to Europe and go on a cruise. Mm. If you can, that's awesome. You should go. But I seem like, (laughs) right, like you don't need to go to Disney World. You don't need to go these big vacations. You should. Like we've taken car places. Those are awesome. But I mean, Mm -hmm. just create moments to enjoy. Um, Like things like um, I've listened to music that I love with Claire. And so that way, like, you know, you can listen to these songs later and be like, you know, this song I love and I love listening to this song with Claire. Mm -hmm. And my hope is, you know, one day I can listen to songs after she's passed and have these wonderful memories of just sitting on my back patio with her and just listening to this music Mm -hmm. or, you know, playing games, um, visiting, Mm -hmm. you know, family or friends visiting local places with your kid. I mean, just finding really small moments to enjoy are going to be really great because I think just not in the long run that they're going to be good memories to look back on, but I think it's going to move you. It's going to get you out of the house. It's going to mm-hmm. put something on your to-do list, you know, kind of like get on your big girl panties and we're going to go out and we're <laughs> going to go on these walks. Yeah, the house and it's going to move us and grow us and we're creating memories right now so that's one is just creating moments to enjoy yeah yeah I bet you're so much more present too like I don't know maybe one of the little silver linings is that you enjoy those those moments probably more than anyone really could without that where you know they're precious I I think that is such a great way to put it Hmm. and this is probably my last tip um which is one that people said to me when Claire was born. And I was actually really bad at following this advice. And I wish I had done it earlier because I think it really would have helped me. So they said to us, you know, when you're on a plane and you're watching the safety video and it says, you know, if there's low pressure in the plane, the oxygen mask will come down. Mm-hmm. And in the video, what does it say? It says, put your mask on before putting on someone else's right and I remember hearing that and thinking like these people are idiots (laughs) I was like I'm never gonna like I'm always gonna put Claire first like (laughs) I I can take care of myself later like honestly Mm -hmm. like you know like I'll take care of myself later when she's gone I'm no way no way and Mm -hmm. and and the guy didn't mean like oh go out and like ignore your kid (laughs) Mm -hmm. right and go you know, on a 10 week cruise, (laughs) what he meant was like, just take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I know this sounds so crazy, but it was like, you know, like take care of your basic hygiene, 
brush your teeth, make sure you're showering, eat good food for your body, mm -hmm. go outside. If you can exercise, like just doing these really basic things was like life changing. And that's what I meant. Like you have, mm -hmm. if you don't take care of yourself, you're, it's going to be bad. And you're going to get burnout really fast. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had done this, but I was so like just defiant. And I think I was like taking a shower like once a week after childbirth. And that's like so gross. And I can't even believe I'm admitting that. <laughs> but like, and I know that it like made me feel crappy. Mm -hmm. And like, I was like, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to eat. Like, I'm just, I'm just gonna eat these cookies. Okay. Eat the, like, you can eat cookies. I just mean, right. I was like not taking care of myself. Yeah. And I definitely know if I had, I just think everything would have been a lot easier. And I just remember like, I think Claire was like three months old and I finally told my husband, like, I need your help. It's like, I, my God, I need to shower at least two times a week, mm -hmm. which really isn't that much. <laughs> it's like this luxury. But like, yeah. But that's like what it was. I like, honestly, yeah. I was like feeling selfish showering. Right. And okay. And I just want people to know I shower every day. <laughs> okay. Like I, I'm not, not sharing. I shower every day. That is very much changed. Mm -hmm. So that is my biggest piece of advice is put on your oxygen mask first mm -hmm. because you're not going to be as present. You're not going to be there. You're not going to be able to take in what's going on. If you are not a hundred percent, if your basic needs yeah. are not being fulfilled, you are just it's not going to work. And I know yeah. because I wasn't doing that. Mm -hmm. So those are just kind of some of my tips. Um, if you're going through it of just, just suggestions and I'm no expert, but these are just some things that I have uh, kind of felt like I wish someone had said to me yeah. in the beginning, because I think they would have been very beneficial. Yeah. I think that's so valuable to hear because but really, like, you say you're not an expert, but, like, who else? Because there are technically, like, you know, like, therapists and people who, like, are book smart. But, like, unless you've been through especially something like that, um, you, I don't know that anyone really can understand. And so you really, I mean, you are. You're an expert. Admit Aww, it. I mean, like, obviously so there'll sweet. be different opinions and stuff. But, like, I think it's just so valuable to hear it from someone who's been through it. And it's going well, through it. And that's true. Someone might be going through the same thing and being like, wow, none of those would work for me. <laughs> and right, yeah, we're all, we're walking experts in our own way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So do you, do you have advice for people who know someone that's going through this? So like things that you are happy people said and did for you, or maybe some things you recommend not to say or do if they know and love someone in your similar situation. Yeah. Okay. So this is by far the number one advice. If you know someone like this, because this has happened to me more times than you can count. Mm. And this is a big no, no. I'm ready. I'm so okay. curious. <laughs> Stop asking people when their loved one will die mm. or how long they're going to live. Mm don't do it. Right. And it, I get it. You're super curious, but I would recommend you just Google that. It's just, it's not very helpful 
because it shows that you only care about when the, like this person's death mm-hmm. and not their life. Interesting. Like, oh, I'm only interested about when your kid's going to die. I don't really care about anything about their life. Mm-hmm. And again, I get it. I get the curiosity. Mm-hmm. Of, Ooh, I wonder what that is. But again, go on Google. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, lifespan of someone with cancer. Mm-hmm. Lifespan, like you, you can do that yourself. And right. And I don't know why people think I like talking about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Because I don't. There's far more interesting things about Claire than the fact that she has a terminal disease. Right. Like there's like, I know it sounds like this is all we talk about because this is the topic we're talking about, (laughs) but no, like my husband and I, we do not every day talk about like, Oh yeah. Like this is going to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. no, we go, you know, we go weeks and like sometimes like months without talking about because we're living life and we're having a really great time. So, so like, like her life is so valuable. Maybe it didn't turn out the way we thought it would, but it has just as much value as someone else. So, you don't need to focus on the person's death. So stop asking us when she's going to die, mm-hmm. how long she's supposed to live, what she's going to die of. Mm-hmm. Or as one of my favorite questions, someone went up to me once and was like, oh, wasn't she supposed to die already? Oh, and you're like, my what? Gosh. Like, weren't you supposed to die already? I know. That is the worst I'm thing. Like, like, are you, like, is this a real question? Uh, like no sorry <laughs> like, my gosh. like oh my gosh like uh, uh, like okay that was weird yeah okay so that's number one if if you take away anything from that don't don't do it don't yeah. do it yeah <laughs> um um so mm. one I thought of I mean all these tips are really just about supporting someone and I think just letting them know you're there like in general, that's a big tip. So um, I just kind of like to divide that up because that's just such a vague thing of support people. Mm-hmm. Um, so a way you can support people, the gesture of let me know if I can do anything is really nice. And I, I do appreciate when people say that to me. I, I find I don't find it offensive. I think it's really wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I will rarely ever take you up on that. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't like you. And I don't trust you. It's more just now the burden is on me to think mm-hmm. of a way for you to help. Um, and sometimes there might be things I'll think about, but especially people in like the early, you know, someone, if someone just gets this diagnosis, th- that's something just don't burden them with, uh, you know, that they have to think of something for you. So yeah. it's nice sentiment, but think of something specific and say, you know, uh, hi, here's a gift card for food, you know, Mm -hmm. or can I bring you a meal this week? Mm -hmm. Um, like meals have been really great. I mean, just even out of the blue people like years later, someone's like, I was just thinking about you. Can I bring you dinner? It's like, thank you. Um, like that was so like nice. Like you didn't have to, it's not like Claire's sick or anything. That was just so wonderful to, to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, or, you know, here, um, Hey, can I go take your car to get it washed? Uh, hey, do you mind? I'm going to weed your garden for just 10 minutes. I'm just going to weed your garden for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe you have other kids. 
um, Hey, can I take your baby on a walk? You know, get them, mm-hmm. get them out of your hair for 20 minutes. So yeah. I think that's really great. If you can just even think of small things to do, or even just be like, Hey, um, if you're comfortable, can I come I'll let me vacuum your house. Like we don't even have to talk. I'll come vacuum your house. Do you have laundry that needs to be folded? Right. So, so specific gestures, I think are really, really great. Yeah. Because it takes the burden off that person of being like, okay, I'm dealing with all this stuff. And now I have to think of a way for this person to help me. Right. And then you you don't follow through because you forget. Yeah. And I think it's important to like point out too, like each of these things that you mentioned, it's like, it's because all of these normal tasks (laughs) are on top of all of the extra care that they need. Like you're doing so much more like to feed her takes so much more effort than just a typical child. And so things like vacuuming or dinner, like those are all on top of like everything else. So I think those are, those are great. Like little, like just chores, like little tasks that you can take off their plate. Yeah. Or even just like, do you want me to sit with them and you can take a shower? Yeah. You or I'll sit with them and you can, you know, for an hour and you can do the tasks, you know, if you've got anything behind the house that, you know, you want to do, but that's Mm -hmm. what I mean. Like, I think, and like you said, yeah, I don't think people realize that these little things like vacuuming or dishes or laundry. Yeah. It's just, it's on top of an already very full plate. Yeah. Yeah, totally. This is one I thought of, um, offer to take photos of someone. And I don't mean you need to go buy a professional camera and have a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. If, if you do, I think that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, I I do think if you have talents, you should offer them. I can't even tell you how touched we have been by people offering up their talents for mm-hmm. us, like things they've made or done for us that, you know, like there's this uh, woman in my church and she's so sweet and she's really good at uh, knitting hats and she just dropped off hats for her kids. And she's, I was thinking about you here's some hats. Mm. And it was like the sweetest thing because she was thinking about us. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a, a side uh, thing of, you know, offering up your talents. But this is what yeah. I was thinking of is offer to take photos of someone mm-hmm. like meaning maybe you're with this person and the other person they're feeling that has this terminal predicted outcome and say, Hey, let me just, you know, take a picture of you guys together real quick. Because mm-hmm. I think, especially as moms, how often are we not in the photos, but we are taking the photos? Yeah, yeah. Like I think totally. for every hundred photos I have of my husband in a photo, he has like two of me in a photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, or it's like you know, just my hand in the side. Yeah. So, <laughs> right, or like just even things that are even like candid photos, like oh, we all we all went to the zoo, and you take some photos and some text like, you know, here's some pictures I, you know, took of your family. I thought you might like, mm. and though that sounds kind of weird, but it's, um, it allows us to be in the moment, mm-hmm. these photos. And I think, you know, you'll really appreciate these photos in the long run, especially yeah. like some of the more candid ones, even of like, Oh, look at these photo I got of you guys, you know, reading together or playing mm. around. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. So that was, that is when I think you were now like, you know, well, okay, now it feels weird because I hope people in my life aren't like, dang, now I just need to follow Katie around with my phone. Take <laughs> like paparazzi all, all the day. time. <laughs> yeah, paparazzi her. But you know, just, these little things would be really great. Um, 
Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, and another tip is I would say um, I love it when people empathize with me and not pity me. Hmm. Yeah. And that I hope no one listening to this is like pitying me like, oh, poor girl, what a bad wife. Mm-hmm. You can say, wow, you know, empathize like, wow, that seems really difficult. That can definitely be a hardship. But I see this great beauty in your life. And, mm-hmm. you know, this great kid you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love empathy, but I don't like pity. Um, like, it's, yeah. it's hard, I'm sure, when someone's like, oh, your kid can't uh, walk. Oh, what a poor, bad life. Like, oh, I feel so bad for them. And you're like, why? Like, they've, don't get me wrong. I wish that'd be awesome if Claire could walk. Mm-hmm. Of course, I would want that. But no, she still has a really good life. We, we don't need your pity. We, we don't need to be your, your sob story or your yeah. horror story, right? Like, yeah. you don't need to gossip and be like, oh my gosh, do you know who has a horrible life? Katie. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, no one wants that. <laughs> yeah. No one wants that. Yeah. To like be the person everyone is pitying. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Like, there's just nothing worse being told, like, oh, I feel so bad for you. And you're like, really? My life is really good. Mm-hmm. In fact, a couple months ago, someone had messaged me on Instagram. That's totally random. Um, and she's like, Hey, I just want to say like, I think you're so great. Like all the hardships you've had to deal with, like your life is so hard. You have a husband with diabetes. You have this daughter with this terminal, uh, disease. And then you did IVF because you guys are genetic carriers. Like, wow, like your life is really hard. I really like admire you for it. and like that's nice the end and I was telling my husband I said wow <laughs> on paper that doesn't look good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right like, like oh. on paper like on paper that doesn't look good but it's good our life is really great we have a yeah. really wonderful life together but yeah like on paper that didn't look very like good. don't read that back to me I don't want to exactly. hear it that way like what yeah, yeah. Like, I, I was kind of like taken aback like wait you're talking about my life what? Yeah. yeah. Um, and That's the last, really and the one of the last thing is I would say is uh, validate their feelings. Um, mm. They don't need to be told not to feel some way or, um, or what they should or should not do mm-hmm. uh, and listen to them and don't forget them. You know, I, I mean, when I say validate, you don't you go, wow, well, you know, who has it worse? We all know someone has it worse, but mm. it doesn't really help us. And it just lets us know to seek support somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and I also say, uh, you know, any kind juju or prayers or anything towards that person, they're always appreciated. Mm-hmm. And so those are just kind of, I think, um, some good tips for people who, um, who can help others who are dealing with, uh, anticipatory grief just in my experience yeah that was so awesome I feel like that's gonna really I feel like that is so impactful for um like really awareness of of anticipatory grief and even to have like a name for your feelings like okay that's what I've been experiencing and to know 
that you're not alone in feeling those things and that you don't have to feel guilty. And I think it's great to be able to hear just like a really candid like, here's what not to do and say and here are things that are helpful. I feel like that is just going to be that's such an impactful thing to have out in the world. And so I'm so grateful for you to open up about a topic that obviously is near and dear to your heart and probably painful, you know, like you said, like to talk about and to think about. Um, I'm so grateful for you to open up and share those things with us today. So thank you so much. Wow. Well, I, you know, I hope just even one person has a good takeaway from this and yeah, you know, you, you share, you share what you know. And I, Mm -hmm. I hope, I hope it helps someone just even one person out there would make me so happy. And I'm so glad that you reached out. This is so great. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you're doing this podcast. I think it's going to open, you know, ears and hearts and, you know, I think it's going to change people's perspective of a world that they might not know. So thank you so much for having me here. I really, I think it's so great. Thank you. And you're welcome. If you want to connect and interact with other parents of rare kiddos, join our Facebook support group called Parents of Children with Rare Conditions. It's great. And the more the merrier. Join me next week for episode 22 as I chat with Tara Dosakal about her nonprofit and the healing power of giving back. See you then.